Good evening, Newark family, and welcome back to another one of our evening devotions. And I'm glad to be bringing our devotion this evening in our second week of who knows how long we're going to be in this scenario. And this week we're focusing on the idea of opportunity. And so let's open with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness to us. Thank you, God, for how you are showing yourself in this circumstance even when we don't really know what's going on, even when we don't understand your larger plan, I am confident that you are working through this and that you are speaking to your church, not just locally here in Newark, Delaware, but around the world, and that this is an opportunity for us to grow closer together. It's an opportunity for us to draw closer to you. It's an opportunity for us to share the light and the hope of your gospel message with those around us. So help us to be in tune with what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this week, our focus is on the idea of opportunity, and the key passages that we've been using for the devotions this week comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 3 and 4 in the New Living Translation. And it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is our merciful Father and the source of all of our comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. And when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. And so in this passage, what I really want to draw out and highlight is this idea of comfort that God gives us and that we can turn around and give to other people. And then I want to read one other scripture passage to go along with this, and this one's found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, again reading out of the New Living Translation. And it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for all that He has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Every time I read this verse, especially out loud, I kind of grin and smile because it's such a simple statement to make, and yet it is absolutely so ridiculously hard to live out. Don't worry about anything, and instead, pray about everything. I don't know about you, but for me, that's not typically the way I live. I do want to pray, and I do want to talk to God, but I have a tendency towards worrying. I am by nature someone who likes to plan and who likes to think ahead at what's coming. And oftentimes, especially in an uncertain scenario like this, my thinking ahead leans more towards worry than it does just simply trusting and relying on God. And yet, Paul, who wrote these instructions from a prison cell, is encouraging the church in Philippi that we shouldn't be worried, and instead we should just pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and then thank him for all he's done. And when we do that, we can experience peace that comes from God. And this is not just a regular sense of calm, but this is a peace that passes and exceeds anything that we can understand. And that peace is what guards our hearts and our minds. That's the peace that will comfort us when we don't know what to do. That's the peace that comforts us 
when we are facing crazy, crazy situations that we can't see our way out of. It's also the peace that comforts us in times of desperate need and the peace that comforts us in times of great loss. When I was thinking about what I wanted to do tonight for this devotion, I was reminded with this idea of peace that passes understanding, to use more King James English, about my own life story and the end of my mother's journey. If I go back about five years ago, actually closer to six years now, I was in my master's program in St. Louis and I was in seminary and I was working on my master's in theology degree. And I got a phone call from my mother and she had been to the doctor and had not been feeling well. And they ran some tests and found out that she had a blockage in one of her kidneys and they were concerned about that. So they went in to do surgery and it turns out that the blockage was a tumor. And on closer inspection, they ended up having to remove the kidney and the tumor turned out to be cancerous. It was ureter cancer. And by the time they found it, it was stage four. And my mother got multiple different medical opinions. And the reality was that it was too late. There wasn't anything that the doctors could do to try to slow down or prevent this cancer from spreading. And my parents found a good doctor in Seattle, Washington at the University of Washington, close to where they live whose own father had passed away from the same cancer. And he was at least honest enough to tell them that there was no point in my mother pursuing chemo or treatments like that. They weren't going to extend her life more than maybe a few months longer than she would already have had. And instead they would just degrade the quality of life. And when she called and told me about this, I remember I was sitting in the library at the seminary and I was studying for something and it was, it was a shock. And I didn't really know how to process that. And as this began to unfold over the next few months, our family had to learn to accept and deal with the fact that my mother was facing the end of her life and it was coming very rapidly and a lot sooner than we had expected. My mother was 65. She turned 65 in June of that year and retired from the job she had been working at. And in October, they found out that she had stage four cancer just four months after she retired, and she was only 65 years old. They found the cancer in October, and by April of the following year, almost exactly six months later, pretty much just as that doctor at the University of Washington had predicted, my mother's struggle with cancer and her journey here on this world came to an end. And so, I was very blessed, and I do mean that. I was blessed to be present with my mother, and so was my wife, along with my siblings and their spouses, at her time of passing. And as my mother stepped from this world into the next, there was an incredible sense of peace that I cannot do justice to, that I cannot adequately describe. It was a peace that exceeded anything we can understand, as Paul talked about in Philippians 4, that came into that room. And she died at home by her choice. She was not in a hospital. 
And we were around her bedside and we were praying and singing hymns with her. And it was a holy and sacred moment. And the peace that came with the family members who have a relationship with God was incredible. And I have grieved my mother's death. I'm not saying it wasn't hard. I'm not saying I haven't had difficult days, but I do not grieve like those without hope. I did not grieve without some release, without some outlet, without a sense of peace and comfort, knowing that it was my mother's time to go and it was in God's plans. And I don't understand it and I don't profess to understand all of it, but there was a release that came with that. And that peace that I had during that time was not something I could generate for myself. It was not something that came from positive mental thinking. It wasn't something that I was able to come to from counseling sessions. And I, I'm not opposed to counseling. In fact, I strongly recommend grief counseling. And that was helpful. I did go through grief counseling later. And it did help my wife and I. But that counseling is not what brought us that peace, especially at the time of her passing. That was peace and comfort that came from the power of God's presence and through the active work of the Holy Spirit. Let me share another story. Not too long after that, in the similar time frame, my wife and I were still in St. Louis. By this point, I had graduated from my master's program in theology, and we were exploring our options and trying to decide what we wanted to do next in ministry and where we felt God might be taking us. And during the course of a week, in fact, if I remember correctly, I think it was the same night, my wife and I both had very, very strong, vivid dreams that God gave us. And the dreams played out in different ways, but in both of these dreams, my wife and I were under threat. And it was a dangerous situation. And something happened in the dream, and I, I won't get into all of that. That's another story for another time. And her dream was very different than mine, but God rescued us. And we woke up the next morning and told each other about our dreams and kind of compared notes and prayed together and talked through it. And we both felt that God was warning us of a trial that was coming, but that it was going to be okay. And he gave us a sense of peace. And we knew that something difficult was probably on the horizon, but we didn't know what exactly it was. And we knew that it was going to be a threat to Rachel's life, but that she would come through it. It wasn't too long after that. I'm, I'm talking probably less than a month. My wife had a physical, and in that physical, they found a lump in her breast. And even though at the time she was only 33, 34, it strongly looked like breast cancer. And so she had to go in for special testing and they were pretty confident that it probably was some sort of breast cancer. So here we are. I've just finished my master's program. Uh, we've got three children at home. Our youngest child at the time was still about five, our daughter Dinah. And we're maybe coming into our mid-30s, and all of a sudden my wife is facing this very serious potential breast cancer. And there's just no way to describe how we both knew that it was going to be okay. And there was a peace that came in that situation. Again, not a peace that we could generate, but a peace that comes from the power of God's presence. And that peace carried us through. And I'm happy to report years later, it 
Turns out, as they continued to do the testing, that it was a type of um, cyst that was in her breast, but it was not cancerous, and she did not have breast cancer. But even before getting that result back, even through that difficult time, we both were at peace with the situation and knew that God was in control and he had warned us about this and that she was going to be okay. We didn't know how it was going to end, but we knew that whatever the outcome was, my wife was going to be okay. And we were at peace with this. So how in these two stories, and I could share more, but these demonstrate it. How is it that in one situation where we're looking at my mother and she's facing cancer and she did die, God did not miraculously heal her from the cancer. From the time they found in October to the time she passed away in April of the following year, it was only six months. And yet there was a peace that came through that circumstance. And then not too long after that, my wife had her own breast cancer scare. And yet there was a peace that came through with that. How is it that we could have this peace and this comfort active in our life? And the reason we were able to find this is because of the relationship that we had and continue to have with God. I can't generate that peace within myself. Rachel could not generate that peace. And yet our walk with God, our time of prayer with him, the leading and guiding of the Spirit comforted us and it brought us comfort that we could not give ourselves. You see, when we get our relationship with God right, if you'll allow me kind of the idea of something vertical, when we begin to get that in tune, when we're spending time talking to God regularly, when we're reading his scriptures and studying his word, when we're making the intentional effort to hear the voice of God and allow him to speak to us, when we get that vertical relationship right, that's when we can find peace. And that's when we can find comfort. It does not mean that the trials go away. It does not mean that we get all the answers. It doesn't mean that we know everything that's going to happen. But we come to an understanding that we do not walk alone. We come to an understanding that God is with us in those circumstances. And he will take care of us. And here's what's fascinating. When we get the vertical right... God gives us comfort and peace. And then once we get the vertical right, then we have an opportunity to reach out and to work on and to strengthen our relationships with those around us. If you allow me this idea, now we can work on the horizontal, our lateral relationships, how we interact with our family members, how we interact with our neighbors, how we interact with our coworkers and people around us. And if the vertical is correct, then the horizontal will flow out of that. If the vertical's correct, there's a peace and a comfort that passes understanding. And it affects how we interact with other people. My experience with my mother's death was different than the experience that some of my other family members had. It's different than the experience that even some of Rachel's family had as they interacted with us and even asked us how... How can your mother be at peace during this time? What, what is going on with her? It was a witness to extended family members as they watched from a distance as my mother accepted, and she had good days and bad days, but accepted that this is what God was allowing to happen. And there was a peace that came with that. When the vertical's right, 
we get comfort. When the vertical's right, then we're able to work on the horizontal and we're able to strengthen our relationships there. And here's the amazing thing. If we've got the vertical right and we've got the comfort that he brings us in our interactions with everyone else around us, we are then able to extend that peace and that comfort to them. Going back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The peace doesn't come from us, it comes from him. And also going back to our main passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, He comforts us in all our troubles. Now watch this. Why does he comfort us? Is it for our own selfish benefit? No, it says he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. God brings us comfort and peace so we in turn can extend that comfort and peace out to other people. The rest of the second half of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says, when they are troubled, talking about the other people who are around us, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Wouldn't you like to have that comfort? Wouldn't you like to be able to extend that to other people? Here's the challenge. We cannot give what we don't have. The comfort that we want to give to other people, we first have to have. And that often comes through our experiences. And now is an excellent opportunity. Now is an opportune time for us to experience God's comfort, to learn and grow in what he's doing for us. It's this comfort that's been given to us, and now it's the comfort that we can give to others. Let me read you one more scripture passage. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 19 says, We know what real love is, because Jesus gave up his life for us. And so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love one another. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth and so we will be confident when we stand before God. It's our actions that show that we have truth. It's our actions towards other people that demonstrates this love. And this season, this weird, crazy, unusual, scary season where many of us are in lockdown and lots of us are uncertain of our finances or maybe our job is insecure or maybe we've got sick family members or we know people who are sick or we're just simply watching the news and we're realizing that this is spreading very, very quickly, not just here, but all over the United States, not just all over the United States, but all over the world. And it's in this season that you can have that peace and comfort that comes from God. And to my Newark family and to my Christian brothers and sisters everywhere, I say it's in this season that not only can you have that comfort, not only does God want to give you that comfort, he wants you to extend that comfort to everyone else around you. So how can you do this? As I close out this devotional tonight, let me say, start calling on people. Pick up the phone. Call people. Do a video chat. Reach out to them on your social networks. Does this sound like my message from last week? It does. 
and I'm going to keep hitting this in different ways. Check up on friends and family members and your neighbors. Slow down. See how people are doing. Spend time with each other. Because that gift of presence brings comfort. That gift of presence cannot be underestimated. Your presence with those who are hurt, your presence with those who are scared and uncertain, your presence coupled with that peace that God gives you is a powerful, powerful tool for reaching out to those around you. It's an incredible gift that you can offer to them. And the beautiful thing is, with the gift of presence, you don't have to know what to say. You don't need to do anything incredible. You just need to let the Holy Spirit be active and working in your life. And as it radiates out of you, and as that peace and comfort that you have is extended to those around you, you'll begin to see the Spirit do amazing things in other people's lives. You'll begin to see the Spirit break down walls that you didn't think you could get through. You'll begin to see the Spirit open up doors for you to share your testimony, share the gospel and the hope that lies within you with people that would surprise you, people you may not expect. And so in this season, recognize the opportunity that we have to share comfort. Number one, start calling people. Number two, slow down. See how people are doing. And number three, just spend time together. Let the Spirit lead you. And I promise you, you will see God at work in some marvelous and unexpected ways. Let's close with prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the peace that you bring, even that peace that passes understanding. That peace that exceeds anything we can even imagine or understand. Help us to be calm. Help us to be focused on you. Help us to center our thoughts on you so that you can give us this peace and this comfort in these uncertain times. And then we, in turn, can extend that comfort to those around us who are hurting, to those who are lost, to those who don't know what to do, and they need help turning to you. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our understanding, open our spiritual eyes in this time to recognize the incredible opportunity, the gift that you have given us to pass along that peace and that comfort that has been given. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Newark family. I'm so glad we're in this journey together, and we look forward to being again with you tomorrow night.